Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's cup of topic is the last in our series of the Gospels, the Gospel of John. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzalo. It is my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, let's start with John. What do I need to know? It is completely different than everything that's come before. One of these things is not like the other, Totally. So not only was it written the latest, scholars suppose it to be written sometime in the 90s. Okay. It could be 10 or 20 years after Matthew and Luke were written, which was, again, 10 or 20 years after the Gospel of Mark was written, which had been... 10 or 20 years since the letters had been written. Okay, getting further and further away from the real real deal. Exactly. So now we're talking, if we think the crucifixion occurred somewhere around the year 30, we're now talking 60 more years afterwards that the Gospel of John is written. Given the lifespan of these people, that's a long time. Exactly. So looking back towards when we talked at the Gospel of Mark... And we talked about how immediate events you can really remember well and the culture remembers well. But as you get farther away, you have to tell more of the story in a different way. If we think of events that happened two or three generations ago and we're telling the story now to our kids, put it in the perspective of maybe telling children now, kids who are in elementary and middle school, Uh teaching them about World War I. Okay. Right. Everyone who fought in World War I. They're all gone. They're gone. And so now we're teaching the children about the events of World War I. Some of us can still remember talking to a grandparent about it, right? My grandparents might remember their parents talking about it. Uh-huh. But my grandparents didn't fight in World War I. They fought in World War II, but not in World War I. And so now we're getting just enough removed away that the stories become different, bigger, greater. We have a different perspective on the history of things and how World War I fits into the whole larger span of our history. Okay. And so open it up and think about it in those ways. Okay, but getting back to a few basics, it's still written in Greek. Still written in Greek. And it's still longer than Mark. It is longer than Mark. But it is not as long as the other two. Correct. It's 21 chapters. Okay. But some of those chapters are really long and windy. Oh, okay. So sometimes John feels a lot longer than the others. Oh, fun. (laughs) Okay, so how does it begin? Well, the Gospel of John breaks all the molds. Okay, (laughs) so no birth narrative. Well, it's the birth narrative, all right, but it's the birth narrative of all creation. Oh, lovely. Gospel of John begins with this prologue that almost in some ways retells the first chapters of the book of Genesis. Oh, wow. Wow. And it begins with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And oh, sure. That's the beginning of the Gospel okay. of John. One way that I've described the Gospel of John to confirmation students, middle school students, is to say, think of the Gospel of John like John Lennon, like the Beatles. Like, maybe if you had a little something-something, <laughs> John might make a bit more sense. <laughs> Okay. It's like totally cosmic and poetic and full of like multiple Enhanced layers. in a few ways, Indeed. if you were. <laughs> it's legal Lovely. in Oregon. So if you think kind of in that way about the Gospel of John, that we're not just going to look at what's on the surface, but we're going to start to dive underneath it. 
and dig at it for a while, but it's not like digging. It's more like diving. It's very fluid. It's very artistic. It kind of moves all around the place. It's very hard to put your fingers on. There's always five more things that it could mean, but we're not sure that it means. It's a cosmic gospel and very, very different in flavor from the other three. Okay. So we've been talking about the first words that show up and how that will distinguish the Gospels from each other. So what in the cosmic dude version? (laughs) Totally. Where does he show up? What does he say first? Well, we start the kind of Jesus narrative with the baptism scenes, except that we never see Jesus baptized by John in this Gospel. Oh. It's already happened. Oh. They're like telling, oh, yeah, like last week. When Jesus came by. Nice. It's a past tense thing. And we meet John, and John has his own disciples, and they're hanging out on the riverside, and John sees Jesus across the way and says, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, because that's how everybody always talks. Well, yeah. (laughs) Right? When, yeah, dude, the Lamb of God. (laughs) (laughs) Totally takes away the sin of the world. Right. And so John's disciples go running off to figure out what this means. You know, there's a huge amount that's symbolized in that, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's actually a ton of Jewish culture that gets symbolized in that and huge amounts of meaning. And these disciples of John go running off and they run and the The line is verse chapter 1, verse 38, is where we hear Jesus for the first time. And the verse is, when Jesus turned and saw them following, so he sees these people, he said to them, what are you looking for? Oh, now that is a fascinating first line. What are you looking for? Talk about an opening salvo. Right? And then these people, they say, where are you staying? Their response back to Jesus is to say, where are you staying? And the word, the Greek word that is used for staying is the word meno, which means like to abide. Oh, the dude dude abides. abides, Right? (laughs) So where do you abide? Where do you remain? Where do you exist? Where are you? Man. Man, right? And Jesus's response to that is, come and see. Oh, that's just fabulous. Right? so different than the other gospels. Yes, very much so. Right? But it's this this incredibly divine interaction, this whole like you can take this as just like what are you looking for? Where are you staying? Oh, come and see. You could take it that way if you want. Or you can start digging. Mhm. What are you looking for? Where do you exist? Come and see. So that's the Gospel of John. In summary, <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's really, really this kind of cosmic take. It, you you can't put your finger on the Gospel of John and pin it down. One second, you have this incredibly divine Jesus who's saying things like, come and see and mm, all these things, right? It's, it's really huge. The crucifixion scene in the Gospel of John almost sounds like he's checking off things on a checklist. Like, in order to fulfill the prophecy, he said, I'm thirsty. Hmm, I'm thirsty. Instead of experiencing the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. it can almost feel like he's just checking off this divine checklist. And so there's some ways that 
it's really hard to understand Jesus and to get on board with Jesus in this. But then there are other moments where he's incredibly human and just full of this incredible love for community and for his people and for the people that God has trusted him to hold on to. And he's so full of that love that everything comes down to that. No greater love do you have than this, than to lay down your life for a friend, right? The only command that I am going to give you is that you love one another as I have loved you. And just this incredible foundation of love and adoration for and with the world and with community. This is the gospel where we get the famous John three sixteen, mm-hmm. for God so loved the world that God gave God's only son. And that's within a larger context of a great story that's only in the gospel of John. It's the story of Nicodemus and this figure of this person who comes and is trying to learn and is trying to understand and trying to discern what is true and what is right and what is good. And Jesus is telling him, look, this is about love. At the end of the day, it's all about love. And that's kind of the heart of the Gospel of John. It's hard to understand. It's cosmic. It's weird. It's kind of windy in places. In fact, it's very windy in places and very hard to understand sometimes. There's times where it repeats over and over. And it comes down to love Hmm. at the end of the day and this value of community and this value of caring for and with one another. There's some really interesting characters that we meet in the Gospel of John okay. that are not in other Gospels. So Nicodemus is one of them. All right. The Samaritan woman at the well is another character, uh, a gentleman who is born blind and is healed and is brought before the Sanhedrin time and time again to try to figure out who healed him. So there are these fabulous characters. We hear a lot about Mary and Martha of Bethany, in the Gospel of John, and we see this image of Jesus with friends. Oh, that's a very different image. Right? So not just Jesus with disciples and Jesus as the leader and Jesus as rabbi, but when Jesus goes to Bethany and hangs out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he's hanging out with his friends. Yeah, I don't think of him like that. Right? And yet, you know, if you look at how Mary and Martha and Lazarus interact with him, It's a very different relationship than with his disciples. That's the place he goes to relax outside of Jerusalem. That's the place he goes to be refreshed and to be with friends and to hang out. And they're the ones who talk back to him. And, you know, where were you? We called you when Lazarus was sick. Where were you? And Jesus weeps because Lazarus has died and it's his friend, even though he knows that he's going to bring him back to life. The cost of that then is that Lazarus is hunted down because now Lazarus is a symbol of Jesus's power. Sure. And Jesus knows the cost of these things and loves them. So it's a beautiful gospel. It's hard to get at. Sometimes it's really frustrating. I really didn't like it at all (laughs) for a long time. It's got a vibe to it. What's not to like? I really didn't like the cosmic side of Jesus almost being so divine, particularly the crucifixion scene, which I still haven't redeemed in my own head. The crucifixion scene just seems so checkoffy to me. Hmm. Not that I want Jesus to have suffered for me, (laughs) but... When I'm in my dark spots, I want to know that Jesus was really in that was kind in of a dark, dark spot, spot too. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's there. 
one of the problems with the Gospel of John is that it does scapegoat somewhat. It does set up some capacities to really blame other people. Oh, interesting. So we get Judas is really made out as a, a very negative character. A true bad guy. A true bad guy in John. Whereas in Matthew and Luke, there are some things about Judas that you can redeem. There are some things that you can see and have compassion for Judas. There's a little less of that in the Gospel of John. Although, again, if you dig at it, you can begin to see a little bit more compassion for the role that Judas played and, and had to play as the argument within the Jesus narrative. Pilate is an interesting character, but one of the pieces that gets problematic, flat out problematic in the Gospel of John, is there's a lot of the Jews. Mm. The term, the Jews did it. Mm. And mm-hmm. the Jews crucified Christ and the Jews, right? So anytime you use the word the in front of an ethnic group or a group of people, it, it can be really problematic. Oh, Definitely. Right. And so the Gospel of John has that in there. And to ignore it is irresponsible. Sure. Because it is something that needs to be paid attention to. And how it is spoken and how it is culturally meant at the time. And trying to understand that and parse that out in our current context can be really difficult. But that's one of the downsides of the Gospel of John. Well, I remember growing up Catholic. And at some point when I was a kid... I would sit there at Easter and go, but, but Jesus was Jewish too. It can't all be bad. How, where's, where's that spin coming from? Yeah. I guess this is kind of where the spin starts to come from. And I think that depending upon how we understand who the gospel writer of John was, it starts to make sense that there's going to be this kind of anti-established Jewish culture piece to it. And so, you know, again, it's that discipline of historical context. We have to go back and look at it and figure out what was going on and what was the gospel writer writing about in order to really understand why that kind of a terminology would be there. Okay. All right. Then getting back to the game of how Mm -hmm. do you know, how do you know you're in John? Look for the words to be windy. Okay. Give me a for instance. Look for things to repeat. Okay. So you can see things repeating an example would be the man born blind. He tells the same story. It's great when you're first learning Greek if they use this gospel <laughs> to help you learn Greek because Repetition when you're doing your is tra- good. I remember so clearly exactly where I was, what was, you know, I was so sure. tired. I was in my summer intensive of Greek and I was like, oh, wait, this is the whole same section again. And you can just write it out, you know, 40 lines of Greek to translate in a night. And 20 of them are the same repeated over and over, and it's awesome. (laughs) So that's one of the ways that you can see that you're probably in the Gospel of John. If it's not making a lot of sense, you're probably in the priestly prayer. So things like, um, I am in you, and you are in me, and they are in me, and they are a part of us, and you have given them to me, and so I'm asking you to bless them because they will be us in the world, but they're not of the world, but they are in the world. And now I'm singing Come Together by the Beatles in my head. (laughs) There you go. It really does go that route, doesn't it? And so that's all almost exactly from Scripture. Like, I wasn't making that up all Mm -hmm. that much. So that kind of a windiness, that kind of messiness, that's probably Joe and I. Another big piece is that John doesn't deal necessarily in miracles or in healings. John deals in signs. Oh, okay. When Jesus turns the water into wine, 
And that's a story that happens in the Gospel of John. The verse is, these were the first of the signs that Jesus did. So it's not the first miracle of Jesus. These are the first of the signs that Jesus did. Okay. And so signs point to something, right? A sign isn't something that is itself the goal. A sign is something that points to the goal. And the Gospel of John, the objective is, and it's written at the end of the Gospel of John, these things are written so that you may come to believe. Okay. Right? This whole thing is a sign to point you to God and to point you to faith. And so that will help you clue in that you are in the Gospel of John. Excellent. All right, last question. Obviously, favorite verse. Do you have one? It's, it's competitive right now. I wrote down the prologue. And particularly, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. Okay. That's a favorite verse. I also really love the priestly prayer. I, the windy, the twisty, windy, turny. messy one. I really love it. I think it's beautiful. I think once you sit down and start to parse it out, it's just stunning, the level of love that it shows. And in some ways, the level of humanity, because Jesus isn't praying perfect. It's messy, and it's windy and it's all over the place and that's kind of how it feels when you really really love someone so much and you just want them to be safe and you know you can't keep them safe and that windy messy love I I was gonna say that windy messy love prayer you vomit out (laughs) right there is a visual (laughs) there's the visual for you but it's such a human thing when you have that person that you can no longer keep safe or protect and you know you're not going to get to and you have to just turn them over to God's love. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Gospel of John. I look forward to sitting down with you another day on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. I hope you have enjoyed these four short cuppas about our Gospels and that you will take the time to learn a little more about each of them in depth. It is always great to hear from you. So if you have it in your head, we would love to get an email at podcast at centralportland.org or hear from you on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.